Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So Chris Christie's leaving office as the least popular governor in New Jersey history, which isn't necessarily a bad thing in my mind, as he is fairly fiscally conservative, and that's a high-spending uh, state. So, you know, maybe the reasons they're mad at him are uh, things that I would like, but I don't know. Well, I don't live some in New Jersey. of them. He also spent a lot of his tenure running for other offices. That. Um, there's the Bridgegate thing. There's this. He was too heavy. <laughs> Handed, handed, heavy-handed. Wow, Michael. Wow. Uh, We don't want to burn all our fat jokes before I hit you with this. He he just commissioned the official governor's portrait. How does stuff like this become a thing in a democracy? That taxpayers are expected to pay for a portrait of governors and presidents and all that sort of stuff. How about a nice yearbook photo? We'll pay for the 10 by 15, hang it on the wall. Or your donors pay for it, or you pay for it out of your own pocket, or whatever. But anyway... He uh, commissioned uh, an Australian... I don't mind, like, 
$200 for a nice picture to be taken. An award, yeah, just so we know, for the school kids, this yeah. was the governor in 1850 or whatever. Right. A guy with wacky mutton chops or something back in the day. You don't sure. need to get this award-winning Australian artist to paint an $85,000 portrait Ooh, of you. Oh, wow. That's much more than the most expensive portrait ever commissioned for a New Jersey governor. 10000 more than they spent on the last three governors combined. It's got to be... For the extra paint involved, now, that's 50. doesn't it? Yeah, more paint than the previous five governors well, right. combined. <laughs> See, yeah, I, I knew we were going to go there. It's just a question yeah. of uh, it's just the amount of right. oil you need. Yeah, uh, I don't have a canvas this big. I'm going to have to special order it. <laughs> See that? <laughs> Completely ignoring the realities scale of art and, and perspective. Scale and, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, if we let reality get in the way of no, our really childish no, jokes, Jack. No. What kind of life would that no, be? No, clearly, without any argument, it costs more to paint a fat guy. <laughs> that's, just, I, 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 that's just physics or math or the, something. The, that just that sure, makes sense exactly. to me. Frame is going to be bigger. Framing is not cheap. To the geography. Now, uh, Barack and Michelle's portraits <laughs> were half... tree, whatever. Barack and Michelle's portraits were half a million dollars, but those were privately funded, as they all should be. God dang Those it. were the wacky ones. All the money you politicians raise, if you're a governor, you've raised so many gazillion dollars in your life. Have some of it go to the damn portrait from your donors. Anyway, that yeah. was a kind of a douchey move on the way out the door. And say, the latest in a, a series. <laughs> I, I just, the premises of the joke is hilarious. <laughs> Fat guys need more paint. <laughs> Well, here's exciting 420 news for you. People will now be able to use a weed vending machine in Santa Cruz, California. That seems... Of course, I really didn't even need to finish that sentence, did I? It had to be Santa Cruz. The vending machine comes in celebration of 420. Kind People's Dispensary is unveiling the vending machine that will dispense cannabis products. Today is expected to be a big day for the dispensaries across the, the region, blah, blah, blah. All right, that's fantastic. <laughs> you can't have vending machines giving out pot. No, well, any more than you could have a pop machine that's a beer machine. Yeah, that, you that, just can't do that. So listen, let me bring everyone together. The big tent show here. I'm a middle child. I like to heal, heal wounds and bring people together. Uh, you love Donald Trump. You hate him. Ambivalent about him. You got to admit he's a quirky guy with kind of an odd lifestyle. Here's what I'm talking about. I checked on his Twitter feed to see what he tweeted last, and and it's actually fairly interesting. Marshall shared some of it with you, but I see that he tweeted 23 hours ago, which would have been 11 a.m. Eastern. That's no big deal, right? He also tweeted 22 hours ago, 22 hours ago, 20 hours ago, 19 hours ago, 18 hours ago, 18 hours ago, 18 hours ago, 16 hours ago, and I think we're we're to about 5 a.m. Eastern now. Um, uh, 16, 15 hours ago, 11 hours ago, 4 hours ago, 3 hours ago, 3 hours ago, and 3 hours ago. He, How much does he sleep, allegedly? Like 4 hours a night? Yeah. And, and, you know, as an older fella, I think he gets up in the middle of the night to relieve himself and probably tweets. But he practic- he tweets practically around the clock, or at least he did this time. He was taking a shot at OPEC in his latest tweet for some reason. Artificially high oil prices. <clears throat> He's talking about tax cuts and uh, the Democrats going crazy, trying to end your tax cuts, and Republicans are trying to make them permanent. 
It's been fairly common among presidents, the um, uh, at least in modern times, the don't sleep much, don't require a lot of sleep. Bill Clinton, was Obama one of those guys? Bill or? Clinton didn't sleep much. Bush was a go to bed early, then get a full eight hours. But mm-hmm. uh, Clinton was like a four or five hour sleep. Was that right? Yeah, Lyndon, oh. Lyndon Johnson was. I can see that. I can see where that would help if you're a super achiever. A super double, you know, espresso alpha male type. It helps if you have another few hours a day. I guess. To do your alpha mailing. No thanks. Boy, I love slumber. Mm, mm, mm. I was going to talk about a sleep thing, but I don't think we have time. We do have Gabby Morangello of the Washington Examiner coming up to talk about the Comey memos and various testimonies and people calling each other well, liars. And is McCabe going to go to jail over what? Perhaps he will, which would be a heck of a thing. Yeah, I don't know. He's the number two in the FBI. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was I was thinking about various uh, expressions that have popped into my head this morning, including tossing and turning, because I was at one point last night tossing and turning. It's weird that... Your body, it's got to be some sort of, uh, you know, really, really common, maybe universal neurological reality that if you wake up in the middle of the night, you got negative mojo going. You got worry going. What is it when you wake up in the middle of the night? Or is it that if you don't have that going, you go right back to sleep? But generally speaking, if you wake up in the middle of the night, you don't start thinking about puppies and life's triumphs and you know, and his sexual pleasure and delicious food. or whatever. You start worrying about stuff. At least I do. Hmm. If I wake up in the middle of the night. I know my wife does. I don't wake up the in the middle of the night. tossing and turning. I sleep like a rock until the alarm goes off, and then I'm very disappointed. Right, right. Well, that's you've got overtiredness going for you. It's your advantage. <laughs> but the other expression I've been thinking about, because I heard it twice inside of three minutes. Number one, they were they ran that ridiculous sketch. Do you remember Rudy Giuliani, who just signed on to Trump's legal team, and Donald did a sketch where Rudy was dressed as a woman, sure. and try and Donald tries to get over on him on Saturday Night Live. Right, right. Yeah. It was just completely ridiculous, and 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 showed Donald Trump as is a sexual predator. Um, <laughs> hilarious. Um, but the the punchline of it was, well, you can't say I didn't try. As he tried to grope Giuliani or whatever happened, I don't remember. But and then I, I got tired of the news. I flip on it's the Rolling Stones Angie song, and uh, you know one of the songs that when the lines in the chorus is they can't say we never tried. And um, I thought you know that's kind of a that used to be a super common expression, but it seems old timey. And I thought you know that's I got to talk to my kids about that. I wear them out with more of my philosophizing. For God's sake, try. Don't let them say you never tried. Trying's big. Try and fail. Try and fail a hundred times. God, let's not let's not be afraid of failing in life. You know, it's just, it was just funny that I heard that expression twice in two different contexts, and it must you be know, on your mind at some level that the that those stuck out to you because they probably wouldn't have otherwise. I don't know. I I think it was just that they were juxtaposed in such a funny way and hmm. so quickly. But you don't hear people use that expression anymore, and I don't know why it is. Is it that everybody is such a critic and everybody's afraid of yes. being mocked yes. for trying and yes. failing on social media or whatever? Yes, yes, and the number one thing to do in social media is to mock anybody who tries anything that doesn't work out. Right. Whether it's or a, hell, even if it does it's work out. Whether inventing something or, or playing an instrument or whatever the hell right. it is. They were stupid to even try. Right. And I guess, I'm going to tell everyone. 
Well, you, are. you know, that's pretty common. That was posted to a four-year-old uh, tap dancing video on YouTube. Um, <laughs> so I guess, yeah, that's why I wanted to talk about it. I thought that's kind of a notion that's been lost. And I don't know, I, uh, particularly the young folks listening to the Armstrong and Getty show. Try stuff. And, 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 and to hell with those who would mock you for trying and failing. Well, that's failing. the key to it. I don't think anybody, I don't think most people have a problem with trying stuff. It's the, you got to be prepared that, pe- that a lot of people are going to criticize you for trying. It. Well, I think a lot of people are aware of that, and so they don't try. So gotta, they're afraid to stick their neck yeah, out. you got to head into it knowing that's going to happen, and those people are all losers. Yeah, you should see our hate mail. Don't worry about what other people think. Go for it. Gold, dang it. So we like Gabby from the Washington Examiner, and we're going to talk about, uh, but there was a big news yesterday. Big news day yesterday. I'm still not sure I know what to think of all of it, but okay. I think it was a good day for Trump all in all, but stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. They're conflicted. I like him very much as a person, but sometimes even good people do things they shouldn't do. I've read the report. I think it is accountability mechanisms working, and they should work, because it's not acceptable in the FBI or the Justice Department for people to lack candor. It's something we take really seriously. Given that the IG's report reflects interactions that Andy McCabe had with me and other FBI senior executives, I could well be a witness. So, so Andrew McCabe, who is number two at the FBI, James Comey made me a witness in the prosecution of Andy McCabe where he could actually end up in jail for lying. What a crazy twist and turn in this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, a lot of conflicting claims and and people stabbing each other in the neck. Welcome to Washington, D.C. And welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Gabby Morangello, White House reporter for the Washington Examiner. Hi, Gabby, how are you? I'm doing well, how are you? Good, it's always great to talk. So, uh, if McCabe went to jail, what would he be going to jail for? Well, he's uh, the, the criminal referral that was made yesterday um, involves his conduct at the FBI, which was um, obviously detailed in that, that Inspector General report that came out earlier last week that tells of McCabe um, in, in several instances lying to federal investigators or to his then boss, um, FBI Director James Comey, um, three of which occurred under oath um, about you know, how sensitive information ended up in the media and his involvement in um, potential leaks to journalists at the Wall Street Journal and elsewhere. I've followed this just enough to be dangerous, Gabby, but um, my understanding of it is that McCabe has a conflicting story, a story that conflicts with Comey, and that if Comey's lying and McCabe did get the leaks about Hillary cleared with him, then McCabe's off the hook. Or, or am I wrong? I mean, it, does, does the prosecution of McCabe rely entirely on Comey's word, I guess is my question. Well, you know, Comey could play a role. He could certainly um, testify against uh, McCabe. It, it would be extremely um, unlikely to happen, but that, that could certainly come out, um, develop as, a, as a, something that could happen in this case. Um, 
however, I mean, Comey, although he was the superior to McCabe at the FBI when they were both there, um, both of these men are responsible in any case if sensitive media was leaked to, I'm sorry, sensitive information was leaked to the media. So even if McCabe did seek Comey's approval and Comey gave it to him, which he claims he did not, um, McCabe would still be at fault. Right, he still lied about it. He still claimed he wasn't the guy that gave the information. He he said that under oath. That's a lie whether he was allowed to or not. Fair enough. Yeah, we and we can't have FBI agents lying under oath. I mean, we all agree on that, don't we? Yes. No matter what the topic is, we can't have FBI agents lying under oath. What I wonder about this is just because of the whole Trump Russia media scrutiny thing, we're finding out about uh, uh, about this. Is this the first time in his entire life McCabe has ever lied under oath? Or does Comey lie? Or do they all lie regularly when it's helpful to the case? I find that very disturbing. Obviously, you don't know the answer to that, but... Yeah, there there didn't seem to be any indication of that in the IG report, and um, I'm sure that that's something that the U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia, Jesse Liu, the, the woman who's now going to be looking into this case, um, is going to certainly take a look at, although it sort of falls outside of the scope of what she's um, supposed to be examining here, which is whether or not McCabe should be prosecuted for um, the lies that he did tell allegedly under oath. What are, pe- what are people telling you, that it's pretty likely that McCabe would actually end up in jail or really unlikely? Because I've heard both. It's it's mixed right now. I okay. mean, I think it really comes down on partisan lines. You know, a lot of Republicans think, oh, well, absolutely he's going to be um, charged with, you know, lying to federal investigators and could be jailed for his actions. And um, Democrats are saying that this whole thing is overblown. So I, I don't think it's easy to get a clear um, read on, on what his fate is at the moment. Interesting. It's at least slightly amusing to me to see people declared angels and then devils and back again, right, yeah. depending on who they're helping moment to moment. Exactly. Yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah. So, uh, Gabby, have you gotten a chance to take in the, the Comey memos in their length and, and, and formed an opinion on them? You know, I'm still reading through them this morning. There's a lot to look through. Yeah, um, me too. How's it strike? I, How do they strike you? Well, I, I think a lot of it has already been out there just sure. because of the interviews that he's been doing for his book, but also things that he said in congressional testimony. Um, we know that the president asked him if he was loyal to him. We know that um, President Trump was very curious about Andy McCabe. That's been made clear through his tweets previously and, um, you know, over the past 48 hours. Um, so a lot of a lot of what's in these memos, I don't think, really comes as a surprise. Well, the, the, um, the only part that's... The only part that surprised me was that Trump knew right off the bat that Flynn was a bit of a nut job and said the guy has terrible judgment and that sort of stuff. And I think uh, Comey conveniently left that out of any any anything he's ever talked about uh, because that 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 doesn't work in his favor on this whole argument. I mean, I, th- I thought that was news. Um, Trump Trump Flynn wasn't a loyal aide of Trump that Trump was trying to protect. Trump knew the guy was a nut, so the guy was, so he's probably headed out the door no matter what. It is a bit strange to see that and know that, you know, he still went on to make him his national security advisor. Um, he still stuck by him at the outset of that whole controversy involving Sally Yates and whether or not he, uh, General Flynn, had lied to the vice president. Um, ultimately, obviously, he fired him. But um, to hear that in, in these Comey memos that he, you know, obviously had some concerns about uh, General Flynn and about his uh, mental well-being 
is is interesting considering the role that he played not only in the presidential campaign in 2016, but also in the White House at the very beginning of the administration. Yeah, and I have no need to leap to conclusions, but it does make it seem less like Trump and Flynn were, you know, uh, uh, dark conspirators and more like Trump was disgusted with the guy and thought he was a little nutty and thought, just get rid of him. And does he have to go to jail? He's just he's an all right guy, but please. So it just it just has a different feel to the relationship. Uh, Gabby, I'm preparing a series of dramatic readings from the Comey memos that I'm hoping to take off Broadway. <laughs> here's here is the first. We have the dramatic. Do we have the dramatic music ready, Michael? Probably not. I see you uh, <clears throat> on a stage on a chair with just a spotlight on you. Right, black turtleneck. <laughs> After others left the room, we sat at the table. He said I was repeatedly put in impossible situations. He said I had a great reputation. There you go. There That's you go. the first one. Thank you. That's Thank wonderful. You. Thank you. Smoke on the stage, beside, despite the fact that you're not smoking. Fog. Yes, yeah. fog. I assume oh, you're gosh. looking at the audience over reading glasses. Because I like that look. If you think that's best, sure. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I guess we'll paw through all this stuff. And the Rod Rosenstein uh, full remarks to Congress on Comey memos and the hey, rest of it, anybody... in which he chucks Comey under the bus, but good. Hey, do you know if anybody but Fox is reporting that Rosenstein told Trump he's not a target of the, uh, what's his lawyer's, inv- who says who? That guy. What's that yeah. guy? Cohen. Uh, yeah. Cohen investigation. So Fox went big with that all day yesterday. I haven't heard anybody else report it. That Rosenstein said that the, the, the that Cohen that whole Cohen thing was not Trump. The Trump wasn't the target of that. Have you heard that anywhere else? Well, it was actually Bloomberg News who okay. broke that story yesterday. Is anybody else um, backing it up? Because I, I haven't heard it in any of the the big time papers or anywhere. Aside from those two, I haven't okay. seen it anywhere. I, I don't know what significance it would have though, because if they go in and it turns out you know Trump's breeding illegal pandas or something, based on what they find, then he becomes a target. So. All right. Well, what a, for the moment, it certainly quells concerns that the president is going to fire Rod Rosenstein. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, that's right. Under investigation. That's a good point. What a tangled web we weave. Gabby Morangello, White House reporter for the Washington Examiner. Gabby, thanks a million. Thanks for having me. Great to talk to you. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, thousands of students getting ready to walk out of class today into their push for gun control and the type of very hot, hot YouTube videos that are out there may really surprise you. Give you an update minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Get back in class, you little delinquents. I don't know what that means, but uh, I'm staying tuned for that YouTube story on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Friday, I understand, as I've been told. Traditional end of the work week. Many people look forward to, is that what I'm hearing? I'm disappointed every time Friday comes because we have to take two days off. I do have to steal myself for the weekend, which requires a lot more energy than the week for me. So I have to mentally prepare myself for the weekend. Tell me about it. What wine to drink, (laughs) when the tea time might be. Uh, let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Now, thousands of students across the country are going to be demanding tougher gun laws today by walking out of class. The organizers of Get National- back in school, you delinquents. That's enough walkouts, all right? Organizers of National Walkout Day say it's a way for students to continue to protest. To get out of class. I shouldn't be so cynical, but there's some of that. Well, you know, listen. 
Well, go ahead, Marsh. Go ahead, finish the story. Finish was, your little story, I then was, we'll talk. I was just going to say they're wa- doing the walkout marking the 19th anniversary of the deadly shooting at Columbine in Colorado. One of the walkout organizers, Dylan Klein, warning politicians that they are getting very close to voting age. We're going to be heard. We're going to put in elected officials that will agree with us, uh, that will push legislation that helps make school safer and students safer and the overall country safer. Hey, awesome. That's the way the system works. Yeah, I have a couple of issues uh, with that young man, but not like uh, hostility, just issues. First of all, uh, you're you're right, and I encourage that, but there are a lot of different approaches to making schools safer. We are all in favor of that, every single one of us. The second thing is, with all due respect to the youngsters and the legitimacy of their fears, their resentment, their, their sincerity, etc., um, we can't let passionate 14-year-olds decide when and when they're, when they're going to go to school and when they're not. Because they, you know, they don't understand the Second Amendment. They don't understand the disagreements in, in most cases over the different approaches and, and the limitations on what they want to do and why it can't happen. So it's merely teenagers who are mad. We got this text. Students walking out on 420 on a Friday. Yeah, yeah it's about the guns. Yeah, I know. Well, I don't know. You know. I think this. Uh, most of the organizers are probably completely sure, sincere. absolutely. But it's a lot a, of the support they're getting, yeah. not so much. It's a subject you could be very, very serious about, no doubt. Of course. The fact that it's a Friday afternoon in 420? Yeah. I'll just stop. It's going to add to your crowd. I do want to bring this up because uh, this uh, got a lot of uh, sudden bulletins and uh, pop-ups. There was another shooting today, a shooting at a high school in central Florida. One student got shot in the ankle. The other student is in custody. The school's on lockdown. No details on what led to the shooting have been released yet. Sounds like perhaps a personal beef and not an effort to kill a bunch of people, thank God. Right. Okay. Stevante Clark, the brother of Stephon Clark, the unarmed black man killed by Sacramento police, is himself now under arrest and being held without bail. Uh-oh, what did he do? Authorities say Stevante was booked on allegations of making felony threats and for making harassing phone calls to 911. He is expected to appear in court today. Stevante. I got to believe that they were very, very sure of themselves before they arrested Stevante, knowing oh, yeah. how it could turn out. Yeah, yeah. Stevante allegedly threatened his roommate and the roommate's girlfriend. They moved out to a hotel, reportedly filed a restraining order against Stevante, and they claimed he trashed the place they were living in while they were staying in the hotel. We've been restrained in our comments about the young man because, you know, he lost his brother. He's grief-stricken, etc. He's done nothing wrong. So, you know, so we've been restrained. He obviously has mental health issues. All right. He's beyond quirky. He's beyond a little sleep-deprived. I don't know what's going on with him. Um, but he doesn't have it all together. Right. Well, a roommate is saying ever since uh, his brother was shot, Stevante's behavior has changed dramatically, getting more and more erratic all the time. That that happens to people. That could be it. Uh, You know, I feel for the guy. He is obviously miserably unhappy and and acting out. Latest hot trend in YouTube videos these days, teenagers doing homework. (laughs) Hey. When you said teenagers, I was bracing myself. So, All right, what are they putting in them, up them, down them now? So is this if, if unboxing videos are too fast-paced for you? <laughs> no, there, there's a community of study vloggers 
out there that are doling out advice and motivation to hundreds of thousands of viewers. In some of the videos, they just film themselves sitting and studying in silence. In others... Again, if unboxing videos are just too go, go, go nerve-wracking for you. I used to watch a lot of those what-do-you-carry-in-your-pockets videos, (laughs) but I found myself getting stressed. Uh, So now now I watch... Homework videos. So then I went to people unwrapping their new pair of shoes and taking them out of the box. But I never knew what kind of shoes it would be, and it was frightening. Now I've gone to watching high schoolers uh, study. Listen to these mockers. Some of the some of the uh, vloggers speak directly into the camera about their routines, their hopes, their dreams, their lives. The videos apparently are providing a community for studious, academically minded teens who feel isolated. I get it. Providing now a place where those people can just go and relate to others like them uh, online. Kicking it old school when people thought you had to work to get ahead. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Fabulous. One last note. I have got the new list of America's favorite fast food places out. The top five. You want to hear the top five here? All right. According to who? He didn't wait for a yes. Did you notice that? (laughs) Says who? Market Force, the Market Force poll of more than 11,000 consumers. (laughs) Some of them, all of them. Which polls? I already answered your question. Okay. Okay. The Market Force poll, more than 11,000 consumers. Here's the top five. In fifth place, Steak and Shake. Mm. Steak and Shake. I don't believe I've ever had the pleasure. Maybe once in college. I think it's mostly an East Coast thing. Yeah. In fourth place, you got the Smash Burger. Smash mm. Burger in fourth. It's okay. a solid burg. Yep. I've not had one. In third place, Five Guys. Five Guys comes in third. I like Five Guys. I I've do enjoy the Five Guys. Five Guys is fantastic. Yep. I'm already ready to, to, to clown whatever one and two are. Cause, well, for, uh, Five Guys isn't really fast food, so it's not Their fair. fries are really strong, yeah. too. They're... Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I've not had any of these burgers. McDonald's. You've not, you've not five guys. You, really? so. you had a five guys when we were in. Oh, that's Cleveland. right. Yeah, in Cleveland. Oh, that's yeah. what that was. We yeah. ate there like thirty times. <laughs> he says angrily for some reason. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, that's good. Chow. Coming in second, the Culver's chain. I have not what? enjoyed the col- any of the Culver's up food. Chains now. Yeah, you're just making stuff up, dude. This is a uh, list number, of restaurants. Number two, McDonald's. Number one, McDougal's on there. Remember the other day. And number one, as usual, Perky's. Perky's number one. So Perky Burger. <laughs> America's favorite quick service restaurant, In and Out. Yes. Still at the top. In and well, Out, number have, one. No, that's How ridiculous. can that be? Because it's only on the West Coast, isn't it? Or mm. is it spread? Well, Steak Shake's only on the East Coast. Yeah. No, it's Take in the Midwest that. as well. Oh, okay. But yeah. I don't, you can't compare places with a drive-thru to places that don't have a drive-thru. I They're agree. playing different sports. They're complete, yeah, exactly. Well different said, sports. Sean. So you're mocking the poll. All yes. Right. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. I have somebody here who's not mocking the poll. Oh, squawky. Always yeah. sincere. Always earnest. It's actually unfair to the fast food places who say, hey, you give us time to make a burger and make us a sit-down restaurant where people expect to wait 10 minutes, we'll make a better burger. But that's not what people expect out of us. Yeah, we don't give you the buzzy thing and tell you to sit down. We give you your grub right away. Yeah. And we do the best we can, given those constraints. Yeah, it's a different thing. Different sport. Very good, Sean. What was at the bottom of the list? I mean, were, were places like McDonald's and stuff on the list? I did not see any of those. They just gave the top five. McDonald's is better now that they're not using the frozen meat or a different kind of frozen uh, meat. It's I, changed. I don't like their fries, though, these days. Sorry. Really? Really? Since they changed the oil? Yep. Yeah, they're different. You're listening to oh, a weird day in the Cosby trial. Maybe we'll hit that, among other things. Mm. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the, of nation. the nation. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. So you're playing a Willie Nelson song. We're doing all nice. marijuana songs all day or tangentially related. And just Willie I don't Nelson's approve, by the way. I was against this. Willie Nelson's a well-known stoner. Is he? This is my least favorite Willie Nelson song. I revere Willie Nelson and hate this song. Is it just because it's worn out? Nah, I just I never really liked it. Really? Um, interesting. To each their own. Um, on the road again. <laughs> like a band of gypsies, we go down the high. Do you like it any better? <laughs> Sing along. <laughs> Now, Whiskey River, now that's a great freaking song. Um, the average American utters their first curse word at 10.54, according to new data. A.M.? A.M. Okay. The average American. Now, some of us are a little huh. earlier than that. You might be uh, of the one in four Americans who can't get past 9 a.m. without cursing most days. While when does the, the average work day start well, in America? Eight or nine, I suppose. Yeah. While the majority of respondents swear before 11 a.m. Right. I'm just trying to think, because I usually swear at Hanson, the executive producer, <laughs> at around 5.30, and he often swears back at me. Um, but that would be the equivalent of 8.30 in most people's worlds. The bar of what will make us curse is uh, quite low. Something is mundane. I don't find this mundane at all. I'm reading this. This is not mundane to me. Okay. Even Something even as uh, mundane as slow Wi-Fi is enough to send 52% of us into a cussing fit. I don't find slow Wi-Fi at work mundane. Not if your job depends on it. No. But mundane, that's, that just means common, doesn't it? Uh, average, every day? I suppose it tired. does. Tired? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't mean. You know me. I like words. Is mundane common or insignificant? Uh, is it just common? Like, if I murdered someone every day, would that be a mundane act? Eventually. So, <laughs> not for them. <laughs> for you, maybe. Uh, lacking lacking interest or excitement, dull. Definition two of this earthly world rather than a heavenly or spiritual one. Wow, mm. interesting there. Uh, you know, I uh, my first swear of the morning is almost always to be funny. It's not like anger or what have you. Uh, 57% of Americans believe their life is always going to be stressful. Well, to some extent, yeah. Hmm? Cursing is the most popular way people express their frustration every single Damn day. right. With 63% saying that's how it, the, it manifests for them, uh, their, their, their stress and frustration and cursing. Yelling is another popular method for no. 49%. Ah! I say combine the two. <laughs> I, don't, right. I don't do that very often. You do it more than you think. <laughs> Apparently. And sadly enough, crying for 39% of us. So some of us curse, some of us yell, and some of us sob. I'm a crier. <laughs> I like to combine all three, yelling and screaming and crying and swearing. and Yeah. The internet's slow again. Oh, oh my oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to load a website. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Um, what is stressing people out? This is about stress and how you handle it, cursing fitting into that. Uh, what is stressing people out for, um, 
A lot of common things, not getting enough sleep, health concerns, work. One in ten listed the environment as a source of stress and frustration for them on a daily basis. The environment? Mm. Wow. Four uh, percent said the national deficit stresses them out daily. Mm. Not daily, I don't you think. You know, I think about it daily. doesn't stress me out much. I try to not sweat the stuff I can't affect very much. Yeah. I mean, I try, obviously, on this show, but I know I'm doomed. I know we're doomed. I know you're doomed. Doomed! But uh, some of you haven't even made it to work yet, so uh, try to keep track of when uh, when your first curse word of the day is. I'd be interested. And what the curse word was. Right. <laughs> a mild obscenity? Now, although- Where's my damn coffee cup? Or uh, like a really over-the-top effing CS and... Oh, wow. Whoa, hey, hey, careful. Um... But, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued, took my though. parking spot. They, they were portraying obscenity as stress or anger relief, though. Uh-huh. Where, you know, gosh, we, they're actually uh, one of the fellows I just mentioned to you off the air. Great dude. He works for one of the other radio stations. He cannot tell you what time it is without an F-bomb. Right. Um, time is very stressful. So him. does that count? Uh, yeah, that that's a that's a decent point. Dude, for, you got the time? Wow, it's already F and 8, he'll tell you. For some people, this is an unfair thing to say, but uh, well, it's a lazy habit. Sure. As opposed to a stress release, I think. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. We've all been there, I I've, think. I know people who the F word is not a curse word in any sense no, for them. No. Because it's not an exclamation, it's not an expression of anger or contempt, or it's just an... Well, they they call it an intensifier. It's similar to using like a lot. Or, it's just a habit. Well, yeah, I was talking about, yeah, that's a crutch. I'm talking about, like, it's got the same definition as very, the word mm. very. It's hot. It's very hot. It's effing hot. But if you're a person, if you're one of those people. It's very effing hot if it's very effing hot. And I've known these people. If you're one of those people saying this blanking guy pulls in in his blanking car. Yes. And his blank, I mean, so what, yeah. what is that? You seen the blanking look on his face. Yeah, exactly. Right, so, right, so right. So what, what is that then? I don't know. You can't a call it a storyteller. <laughs> I say <laughs> Right, Arnold. Yeah, a great storyteller. And he's got, I got the a blank couple of buddies nerve. like that. It's hilarious. <laughs> Unless, you know, you're out eating fast food and there's a family with kids close by and they don't have kids and you do and you're like thinking, dude, keep your mouth. I don't have blanking time for this. So I say to the blanking guy and he looks at me with this blanking look on his face. (laughs) This blanking blank look. I'm riveted. Tell me more. (laughs) Wow, what happened next? (laughs) Speaking of stress, uh, a new LinkedIn study released Tuesday says that nearly 7 in 10 people Making more than $200,000 a year reported feeling stressed at work. 70%. Compared to less than half making thirty-five to fifty grand, And only 38% of those earning between fifty and seventy-five grand. Uh, they, You know, this isn't that... The headline is kind of funny that yeah, uh, more money totally causes more problems. I wouldn't say that's true. But if you're... If you got the higher paying job often, you're getting paid more because you're under more stress you know you, you have to produce according to the survey survey but i stressed about m- more money more when i started making money than i ever did before i was making money for yeah, some I reason i don't i didn't have that experience just because we we're poor and had kids but folks making between 50 and 75 a year see this is a national figure my friends so please adjust for your location as usual if you're listening in uh, you know uh, Seattle, San Diego, adjust upward. If you're living in Coon Holler, Indiana, adjust downward. 
But on average, people making 50 to 70 a year reported the greatest job satisfaction. The greatest. Coon Holler, Indiana. Indiana. Beautiful this time of year. Yeah, the, the, the daffodils are in bloom. The coons are in bloom. Oh, please, please. And they often wear daffodils. It's charming. <laughs> Uh, on the other I hand, I just love Indiana. Oh, blanking coons and their blanking daffodils. Seventy nine percent of people making between two hundred and two. No, nah, nobody wants to hear any more of this. The one, uh, <laughs> the one thing that stood out was that Gen Xers were the most stressed generation. That they pose as a really interesting uh, fact in this article and. But just 52% of baby boomers are stressed at work. Well, right, that's because they don't care anymore. So the people that are... They're running out the clock. So the people working jobs and have kids are more stressed than the unchilded younger people or the retired older people? Yes, that's true. Wow, really makes you stop and think. (laughs) Hey, the Knife Media, next, Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.